0: Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Osteen.
1: And I'm Will Lentz.
0: And we are your hosts. And today, we are joined by Selena to talk all about... Fair journey um, into becoming a stripper into sex work, as an advocate and activist, fair um, information about all of the legislation affecting sex workers, systemic changes and uh, you know systemic issues that are plaguing sex workers. Um, and it was so unbelievably interesting and I just thoroughly enjoyed getting to talk with Selena. Fair, a really just cool person in general.
1: Yeah. And I think it's always really helpful to attach uh, a name and a personality and an identity um, along with the struggle that we've heard uh, from a lot of different sex workers and and what seems to only be, you know, kind of worsening. And I think, you know, one reason that we were excited to share this episode is uh, because we are going to have a new administration come into play in the next four years. um, But it doesn't seem like an administration that particularly cares about sex workers either, uh, despite being a, you know, "Quote unquote," more progressive one. Um, so it's one of those things that there needs to still be a conversation uh, going around. You know, people that are that are in this line of work. It's and it's not too far off, I don't think, for me to believe that the way that uh, our government treats sex workers is how they're going to view labor as a whole down the line. Um, so we got to make noise now.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also important to frame. The new administration, while I'm so excited to have Trump out of office, um, is very centrist, right? Like yeah. both Biden and Harris are very centrist in their politics, although they seem more progressive because of what Trump has done and what the Republican Party has sort of become and in more of its right extremist leanings. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's a really important conversation to have because I think a lot of people are left out of the conversation. And you know, one of the big things that that we talk about in this episode is just like representation across the board for you know. gender non-conforming folks and, and people of color and, and sex workers and, and those marginalized within, within our society, um, need a voice, need a bigger voice. Um, and it's cool because Selena is going to take over this group called Soldiers of Pole, which we talk more about. Um, but there are these, you know, these activists advocacy groups popping up for each individual, um, you know aspect of sex work and and so it's really cool to hear about and and i i am so excited to be a part of the conversation to hopefully just like scream it into the void for everybody um to hear because you know it doesn't get talked about as much and especially with instagram and facebook policies changing to the extent we don't really know what's going to be cut off and and you know who's going to be taken down because of because of these new policies um it's important to keep to keep talking about it and to keep letting these voices be louder than um the censorship and the
1: shutdown absolutely
0: yeah yeah um so without further ado we bring you uh selena yay Yay! Welcome to Finding My Yum. I'm so excited. Today we have Selena um, to talk so many different things, and I'm gonna let you uh, introduce yourself, and and then we're just gonna launch right in. So please, um, tell me all the amazing things that you do.
2: Yeah. So I'm Selena the stripper. Uh, I go. I'm online as like Pretty Boy Girl on Instagram. Um, and so I'm a writer, I'm a podcaster, I'm an advocate for various sex work issues. Um, and I just kind of do all of this stuff. Um, and yeah. I do a lot of like anti-stigma work. I talk a lot about the profession that are the various professions that I hold in the sex industry uh, t- in a yeah. pretty intimate way to my audience and. Um, A lot of it is just, like, humanizing this experience that people have, like, abstract and very kind of, like, polemic opinions on. Uh, But at the end of the day, it is labor, and it's not necessarily a question of should it exist. It just does exist. And so that's uh, my goal is to talk about that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. I want to get into that. Absolutely. Um, And so I'm curious about your your journey to this point um, because of all the amazing things that you're doing and just just like what brought you to to be such an advocate, to be such a visible voice um, for the sex worker community and, you know, just in general. I mean, I think you're I was super drawn to your Instagram and we were connected through um, Reagan. yeah, so I'd love to hear a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Um, so I got into sex work like ages ago. I mean, the first my first go at it was very unsuccessful. I was in <laughs> I was in college, uh, and I was like maybe in my sophomore year or something, and I uh <laughs> I was like trying to be a sugar baby and I had no knowledge of how to do it. I didn't know Where to really begin? I had a friend who was a sugar baby, kind of. I mean, she was actually more like in a full time, like, live in relationship with her, like, significantly older partner who was also significantly better off. And they had this really beautiful, like, um, high-rise apartment in Manhattan that had like a full oh, wow. wall of like windows that looked out to the city and stuff. And, <laughs> oh
0: my god, that sounds like a dream. Yeah,
2: so they, she was like living this dream life and I was like, how do I find that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was, yeah, I started off by sugar dating, but I didn't actually do it because I never made a single cent off of it. But then years later I got into stripping and I by by way of stripping I found my first sugar daddy. Um but yeah and since then uh I've I've just tried so many different aspects of um of the industry. I mean I've tried I've done camming, I've done phone sex, I've done like varying degrees of like Doming, I've done plenty of stripping, escorting, sugaring uh, I've had my hand in a lot of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's canning? camming if I, camming Oh, camming I was like, oh, what's canning? That's yeah, peaches. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just like provocatively opening different cans. Yeah. I, I mean, somebody's got to be into it. Um, amazing. And uh, and so, was there any particular choice when you decided to go into sex work? You know. At, I think that it is just a job and I think you can make a lot more money than any other avenue. And so I'm wondering if there was like a conversation or I just felt like it was something that was accessible and and, and a good option and ended up being something that you were really good at.
2: Um, Well, I think like most people, Uh, Looking for work under capitalism, my incentive was money. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, whenever you're young, you just kind of end up in this catch 22 of like wanting a job but not being qualified for the job because you don't have any experience. And then the other option is like interning. So essentially, like, you know, to get up into whatever organization, like they're like, okay, like, why don't you just provide us with your free labor and infinite time? And, I t- couldn't really afford to be free labor. I didn't have a ton of time and I was like pretty salty about the idea of being free labor for these things that I was like, you know, not especially like they didn't fit within my mores. Like I have like a very strong like moral sense with a lot of stuff, uh, especially with like jobs that I will consensually work under capitalism um, and like sure. things that feel like, you know, explicitly exploitative um like a lot of corporate environments I was just like not willing to do that um but anyway so like what the real th- so there were like a couple reasons I got into like mm-hmm. phone sex and camming um because like I my hours were getting cut significantly at my job because um, okay. it was like a seasonal business and so I was like getting like sometimes like nine hours a week of of work at like an hour plus tips so like nothing I was like living at the poverty line and like camming provided a thing that like I could do from home feasibly but you know whenever you're in this you realize that there are like additional barriers like Mm -hmm. I didn't have an incredible internet signal so and I didn't have the best cam doing it at this time or the best laptop and you need there's like there's definitely a startup cost with all of these things. So that was camming, um, and then with mm-hmm. stripping, I just had been working this like terrible job. Uh, it was in my industry, what I got my degree in, and I was like making clothes for a little boutique out in Baltimore. I it, I thought that it would be perfect. It was owned by this black woman. It's a local shop, mm-hmm. completely independent. I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like I want to be working for my community. I want to be making like stuff sure. for like a local artist and all but it was the most nightmarish of jobs <laughs> like
0: oh no uh, oh, so disappointing I know it was
2: so disappointing because I was like really excited but then like the first day that I got there uh, I realized like I had none of the tools to make clothes she she didn't leave me a ruler there was no hip curve there was no French curve there was no paper for making my own patterns there were no patterns out for me to like use to craft the things she was just like well why can't you just like eyeball it like I just eyeball it and I was like what are you kidding me (laughs) (laughs) making clothes and so she would just like do these things where she would like set me up to fail Oh God! and she'd be like well why why does that look like that you know like I don't understand why you couldn't just make the sleeve different and I'm like well, I have no tools. <laughs> like I don't even have a good right. pair of cutting you told me scissors. Me to eyeball it. <laughs> yeah, you told me to eyeball it. And so she was just like terrible, constantly berating me for like my work and not giving me the tools. And so eventually I was just like, I cannot, you know, mentally perform this job under these circumstances. Uh, but sure. I needed money. I needed to support myself. Uh, and I had a bunch of friends who were strippers and they had been encouraging me to try dancing because I like could dance and I was like a performer to begin with. Um, okay. we all went to art school and like everybody knew that I was fine getting naked for a performance, <laughs> okay? <laughs> sure, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely did some like very uh edge edgy performances uh at that time, okay? And, um, <laughs> Got it. and so uh, yeah, they were like, You should just try it, I think you'd do great. And so then I did, and I was I was lucky because I had, like, a couple friends working that night. Like, one friend uh, was with me that night, and she guided me through the audition. And uh, my my uh, partner at the time, like, um, they were a stripper, too. So, like, they showed me how to, like, dance like a stripper. And so I was just, like, very, like, lovingly guided into the industry. <laughs> and, oh, uh, cool! Yeah. So unlike camming and unlike uh, with like sugar dating, like I had the the training wheels and loving guidance to make it in successfully.
0: Yeah, amazing. I do want to go over your pronouns um, really quick before we move on because I think they're so awesome and beautiful, um, and I've never heard them before. And I'd love to hear the origin of where they came from, or if they are out in the larger community, and I just don't. I'm naive to you know and ignorant about what's available no i
2: mean so the thing with like non-binary pronouns is that like a lot of them are evolving and kind of as much as you can like choose your name you can choose your pronouns um -hmm. and oh that's true yeah yeah so i mean i chose these and they they did exist before but it's kind of like uh you know like this is all kind of new like not entirely new like non-binary pronouns have been around for a while but like some of them like some of the ones like they fair which are my pronouns um mm-hmm. like they're relatively new and there's even like tracking it's like they fair appeared online in like mid <laughs> t- like 2006 and on tumblr and oh, stuff wow. like that like
0: <laughs> got it <laughs> yeah
2: so it's it's definitely like you know, it, there's this hand in hand with, like, internet culture and, like, the openness of, of choosing pronouns and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so that's where I I chose mine. I it was actually, like, not just that, but I had a, another non-binary friend who I was like, I feel like I'm non-binary, but I don't feel like they, them necessarily suits me because it feels a little too neutral. Like, I want something that has some mm-hmm. flavor. <laughs> And, Got it. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, like have you heard about these? Have you heard of Fayfair? Fair? And I'm like, No. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it feels like ethereal to me. Like like there's like some kind of like magic embedded yeah. within the pronouns. Yeah, they're like I don't know, these they're they're really magical words. I feel like we could just use them in, in general too. Yeah. Like just get rid of really neutral language because it is really boring like it you know it is yeah yeah um i love that and so then moving forward into into more of your advocacy work um and especially what's going on today in 2020 you know covid has presented a myriad of issues and so i i'd love to transition into that and and what particularly your you're advocating for right now and and working towards i know that um actually i don't are, do you work with soldiers of pole
2: um yeah so um i am kind of taking over the organization um oh wow yeah so we've been in a transitional process from like also changing our name um to strippers united and okay. and so um because the organization uh, the fou- it was founded by Antonia Crane, and what she kind of pointed out was that there's like there are a lot of organizations for various sex workers. Like there's the Red Umbel- Umbrella Project uh, for like full fr- full service and street based sex workers. Um, there's like APAC for um, people in the porn industry, um, and then there's some other things specifically for cameras. There's like the Pineapple mm-hmm. app, which is like a therapy app for cameras and stuff like that. Oh, but wow. there's just not really anything in place for strippers, really. Um, I mean, we have, like, our groups, we have our memes, but we don't really have, like, very much of a support network, or we didn't really prior to Soldiers to Pull. And since we kind of uh, were created, like, there have been some other organizations that have popped up that are super dope, like all of the PDX strikes across the country, like the Portland strike and and on and on, um, Seattle strike. Um, So... Yeah, so the organization is really about, like, building a coalition among strippers and starting to, like, get, uh, you know, all of the people who are strippers to see ourselves as, like, a collective group of people that have common interests and common issues that we face, uh, common stigma, and that, you know, we could be, like, a united force for some positivity Um, in our, in our labor condition specifically, like, I'm not like, you Mm. know, strippers need to change the world, but like, you know, we could definitely have like a safe (laughs) club experience. We could definitely make sure that like whenever we experience like sexual assault or things like that, um, that there is some sense of like, you know, that we can go to an authority and that somebody would take it seriously, you know, that there, there's some recompense for that. Um, you know, that we can be protected, Uh, from predatory people in the club that we can like Mm. also unite against things like having to pay to work like what other workforce has to pay to work (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, we pay tip outs we pay house fees uh, we are constantly paying out to just provide our labor and the clubs take half typically of every dance that we provide Um, so there's just like a whole you know litany of issues that we have and the organization is like primarily focused on like talking about that but you know also like providing community for each other and mm-hmm. you know visibility and talking about these things um and then like some other things that we've been talking about lately is just uh how much we're getting shut out of um the various online platforms mm-hmm. just today uh i got an email from google uh that is essentially saying that they're they're also initiating new crackdowns um, on what ads you're able to place so um they're no longer like allowing like companionship escorting ads um to to be ads on their uh, you know platforms they're um I mean they're just l- largely cracking down on like anything that can be considered to be sex work um. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've seen that on Instagram. We've seen that on Tumblr where you can no longer put any real sexual content. Um, you know, it's, it's really just incredibly pervasive right now. So we've been doing a lot to like, you know, increase people's awareness of what's going on um, and to try and, you know, fight back against it.
0: Yeah, um, I want to get into each of these different parts. And, and one thing I want to just go back to is this idea of of workers rights and treating sex work as also a job where you're entitled to um, to the protections that, you know, all other jobs have available to them. And one thing I saw on your Instagram today was talking about how as the sex work community that like neither political party wants to have anything to do with it. And so you're in this really tough middle and gray ground, particularly as well from for COVID, right? I know there was massive issues on like state help and federal aid when nobody could do work. And so I'd love for you to talk to that end um, with 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 your knowledge and experience in terms of, um, those aspects of it. Of the-
2: yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, I posted a tweet that was like, you know, everybody watches porn and yet nobody wants to be out here advocating for the performers or the creators of the content that everybody's getting off to. Yeah. It's like, you know, we fulfill a very important need within society. Like, I think that there's, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of demonization around sexuality and, you know, kind of people trying to step away from it as, like, just to kind of need, um, you know, connection, sexual connection, all of that. Like, I think that's, like, pretty crucial and money talks, money talks and it says, yeah, Yeah. it seems (laughs) to be pretty fucking crucial. Like, it's a fucking billion (laughs) dollar industry of crucial, okay? (laughs) So, yeah. And, yes Good point. And, and yet you know like there are no real politicians well there are hardly any politicians who are like explicitly willing to be out here for sex workers there are definitely a few some of like the the newer um members especially like you know the whole like AOC crew and stuff like right they're out here and they're talking about it but um I mean, it's it's just, like, this hot potato issue. Nobody, you know, because we are in, like, a very, like, conservative, like, you know, puritanical society. We're still coming to grips with our puritanical roots. Uh, yeah. People are just very uncomfortable talking about sex and sexuality. And, like, it, it is considered to be, like, political suicide to advocate for, like, a substantial group of people. And I think now, like... Maybe we are seeing like a bit of a shift because, um, you know, we're in a pandemic and a lot of people are getting into the sex industry via OnlyFans and other sites like that. Like, so we're seeing like so many more people participating out of necessity. And that's like one of the beautiful things about sex work is that you're able to participate um, out of need. You know, it is an industry that's there. It doesn't discriminate on, you know, your... Uh, on a lot of things. I mean, there is definitely a lot of discrimination in, the ish- in this industry. However, yeah. it won't discriminate against you, like, based on your, like, job experience, education level, sure. your citizenship status, stuff like that, you know? Totally. Um,
0: yeah, it's accessible to a certain extent. It
2: is. Yes, it's exactly. accessible to people. So, You know, in the end, it's becoming this issue that will be unavoidable. And there has been, like, an incredible amount of, like, outcry from sex workers since the passage of SESTA-FOSTA, which caused the overall Internet crackdown. Um, But, you know, it's still, like, people are very much baby-stepping around it. Even, you know, our very progressive politicians like Bernie Sanders and shit, you know. Like, we want to think of Bernie Sanders as progressive Um, But he voted for Sesta Fosta, you know, and and so did uh, Kamala or Kamala. Like she was Mm -hmm. all in for that. I mean, but, you know, of course, she's like a cop, too. But, you know,
0: right, right, right. I'm like, that's not a great example. She's not a she's not she's not a
2: progressive. She's not a progressive politician. But, you know, she's she is a woman and she is our VP to be so. Yeah. You know, it's it's just this hot potato issue and yet so many people everybody really like participates in porn at least like everybody uses it to get off and I you know we yes. and every sex worker can attest to like some story of interacting with somebody who's like famous or important or a politician like Yeah <laughs> there's, of, course. of course yeah but yet it's just cloaked in secrecy and shame and that needs to yeah. end because it it and it leads to like real harm and real loss of life and, and real, you know, like compromises of human rights and things like that, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think like in the larger scope, even not only to the detriment of sex workers, but also to the detriment of everybody else's sexuality and expression and ability to live freely in their body and feel okay about, Wanting to watch porn, right? And engage with sex workers or wanting to to pursue that profession.
2: I mean, I think it's like, you know, it's hard because a lot of people like have so much shame and guilt interacting with it because like a lot of what's disseminated about sex work is that it's not consensual. Nobody in it is happy. Everybody was forced into the industry because of dire circumstances. Nobody has a good relationship with their parents you know, like it's, you know, nobody has a heart and it's just all, all cruelty and pain. And, and it's like, even people like who really want to be supportive are, are, they all are always like, you know, like I just, I didn't want to exploit anybody. Like I was just worried. Like I didn't want it to be traumatic for anybody. Like I wanted to make sure that, you know, she was okay. And I'm just like, we're working a job like (laughs) right like yeah yeah yeah. you know there's definitely like a degree of like needing to check in but like there's this like tendency to go overboard because of how the industry is framed Mm -hmm. in this like hyper negative hyper non-consensual way and like there's no like pragmatic center about it like most of the time
0: yeah oh yeah i think that that's such an eloquent way of of describing that 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 the, the the focus is so skewed that there's no way to write it in in a way that fosters like adequate communication and transaction of a of a business deal essentially which is what is occurring mm-hmm. um can you just talk to like what sesta fosta specifically did um because i don't i'm not familiar with the details of it
2: yeah so sesta is uh, stop enabling uh, sex trafficking, S- stop enabling sex trafficking act. And then FOSTA is the uh, Fight Online Se- Sex Trafficking Act, um, and they're like this two-part legislation that was built to uh, start to corral in the Wild West of the internet. Um, and uh, the major target of this was actually the the website Backpage. Um, and in the government was like saying, Oh, there's like a lot of sex trafficking that's happening on Backpage. We needed to take it down. Um, and they were filing a bunch of lawsuits against them, but there was like this loophole, uh, within the previous law that existed, uh, so that there was like, I think it was like some under some kind of like freedom of speech, right? That websites had. Um, and Mm -hmm. so like, all of the lawsuits against Backpage regarding the sex trafficking incidents were just being, you know, dismissed because there was no grounds. Uh, there was no teeth to any of the prior leg- bits of legislation. So sesta Fossa came in uh, as a means to, like, add some teeth to the laws to start regulating the internet and, like, what kind of sexual content was permissible. Um, however... Uh, In the end, the reach of the law was like much more extensive, uh, maybe than a lot of the legislators even really considered. Um, And 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 not just that, but it was like, you know, so they created like real monetary penalties and, and, uh, you know, other like federal charges for these companies to make sure that they would be held accountable if they posted uh, trafficking content, non consensual content, things like that. Um, but, you know, in what is difficult to determine is essentially that, uh, you know, like unless you go through with like a very fine tooth comb, like, you know, group of, uh, Online technicians and regulators going profile to profile to see what is uh, consensual and what is not. Um, but what is a lot easier is to make a really dumb algorithm that ch- searches for all sexual content and just kind of uniformly bans stuff. <laughs> got it. <laughs> got s- it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the result of of what has happened with Hasta Fosta. but. To speak to the whole Backpage thing, uh, Backpage actually shut down prior to SESTA-FOSTA uh, being uh, initiated because, oh. <laughs> yeah, so they were facing charges from everything from like the, I think like the postal agency to the IRS and stuff like that. So they, they were just like a million different governmental departments were coming at them, so they were just shut down. Uh, prior to Sesta fosta passing, so it. it's like they were able to shut down the you know this this particular website um, without needing the policy, but then the policy was still passed anyway and had you know all of these other Got effects. Um, but yeah, well, it was it was definitely like you know it's like a it's a blunt solution to a fine tuned problem. <laughs>
0: Sure, 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 and you know, as I've been um, gaining more information on this, you know, I I think I conflated the two of like sex trafficking and this obviously horrific dark part of the global economy of sex workers, right? Um, with sex workers who have elected to do to do the job, um, and and I think. I think that's a lot of where people get confused and and I'm wondering because I feel like a big solution would just be legalize all of it so that then you can have more protection, have more visibility, have more communication of people within these fields so that if there is a problem, there are places to go to report it as opposed to then being treated like a criminal or like you're breaking the law or doing something, um, you know, shameful or, 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 However, you know, negatively labeled it is.
2: Well, I mean, I think that there's like a like generally sex workers are not really advocating for legalization. Like they're advocating for decriminalization. Um, Oh, sure,
0: sure, sure. Yes, I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. That is a big. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So the the reason why people are very skeptical of legalization is because in a lot of the countries where it is legal, um, we see like an intense like government uh you know uh there's like the the governments in these places uh have major access to like very private bits of sex workers so like there's a lot of like government interference into your like private health issues like forced screenings forced Mm -hmm. testing forced registration um and stuff like that so like there's uh in Increased, like, state monitoring and supervision over the lives of sex workers, uh, which is definitely, like, very invasive and, of course, is going to have disproportionate effects on black and brown and queer bodies, uh, as it tends to be. And then, you know, should the current of public opinion change, then sex workers are already entered into some sort of database uh, where, you know, you can first face further sanctions and penalties and stuff like that. So it becomes dangerous. Um, mm. That's why we tend to advocate for just decrim because, you know, like then you can kind of do your business. Um, you're not worried about like, you know, being sent to prison or, or dealing with a prison or, or a carceral system. Um, it's like a happy kind of medium in between because really, like, the ideal is that the government shouldn't have that much interference in, like, your private matters, specifically what you do with your body as long as it's consensual and not harming somebody else, right?
0: Sure. Right, right, right. Yes, absolutely. And in, in so many different aspects. Um, yeah, I know. I appreciate you saying that and in, in, in definitely correcting that language because I think there is a huge... Obvious distinction there, so thank you. Um, and so then, I'd love to take it into the online platforms um, that you're talking about, and and how I guess Fasa has impacted those, and also, um, I think from what I gather, Instagram, Facebook, um, and and maybe other social media apps are really taking it upon themselves to implement you know even stricter measures that's curbing this kind of content unilaterally
2: yeah um i mean it's definitely a lot easier to deal with less um you know oversight if you're a tech company and you're handling like millions or billions of users every day <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> so Uh, you know, the ideal for them is to like limit that friction. And like part of that is to limit like all sexual content. I think Facebook was a bit easy, because like, you know, Facebook never intended itself to be anything particularly subversive. It was more kind of like, it was, the, it was meant to be, like, the most personal platform, like, where you use your legal name and you know your, sure. like, legal names of your friends and stuff. Like, it, it, But also, you know, prior to SESTA-FOSTA, I was part of, like, a number of um, Facebook groups for sex workers where we were exchanging information. We were talking about experiences. We were, per- like, just you know creating a support network for each other if somebody was going out for an out call like they might share their location with the group and be like please check in with me at this time um wow yeah so all of that disappeared with sesta fosta on facebook um Mm -hmm. and then instagram uh well so tumblr used to be a place where a lot of people would sell their porn they would like either sell it there they would link you to like their um their paid sites and stuff they would provide it online like they would provide like a gallery and stuff and a lot of people like came there primarily to find porn because it was like a good place to find like independent alternative stuff that wasn't like made by a large company and you know you could pay directly to the people who were creating it so it felt a little bit more equitable and like you know it felt less icky buying porn that way you know like rather than paying bang bros you could pay your friend Hallie, like, (laughs) so (laughs) it was just, you know, a solution to that. And so with SESTA-FOSTA passing, all porn content disappeared from Tumblr. And that actually also led to a huge decline in the site. And I think like bankruptcy or something with it, like at a time. Oh, wow. Because I mean, they, you know, a lot of these sites underestimate like the the economic power that, you know, sex has with their sites. But also at the end of the day, like there's the other economic push pull of like dealing with legal actions against the U.S. government, you know, like (laughs) the U.S. government, like filing various suits against you. Like you're not going to I mean, like unless you're Facebook (laughs) and Zuckerberg and shit, like you're not going to be able to like afford those kinds of legal battles. Um,
0: Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Those
2: are crushing. Yeah, they're they're definitely crushing. Yeah. and, I mean, you know, as we go along, there's even more bits of legislature that have been, uh, you know, going through Congress. So, there's, like, the LEED Act and uh, the EARN IT Act. And so, the EARN it Act would uh, force all of these um, online platforms to essentially, like, earn a safe status. Like, to – so, like, by, you know, performing good behavior and reducing, like – uh, sex trafficking content they would get like these points or whatever um, and you know do better there would be like some kind of economics incentive and like other incentives to this um, but on the flip side uh, you know you could also ha- be subject to penalties uh, and then okay. they were also there's also like this whole like the LED Act is about um, law enforcement um mandating a backdoor to encrypted data um so (laughs) they want to have they want to they want to have that backdoor key to get to have access to all of the shit so you know like a lot of the issues that sex traffickers face are things that we are all facing as like a as you know people online on the internet like where this internet censorship uh where do we draw the line with internet censorship how much do we think that the government should have interference in our personal data and personal information and, and our personal business? Uh, how much, you know, access should they have to our bodies and what, you know, how do, are they going to police it like in online spaces as much as in like, you know, in person spaces? Um, so there's just a lot of questions. And the fact is like, we're in like this very early stage of like regulating the internet. Like we just started, I like to think back to like whenever I was a teen, I was maybe like in 2011 or something or a little bit before, like um, I used to torrent everything, you know, we weren't yeah. using streaming <laughs> platforms like we are now. Like that was recent, sure. you know, like Netflix and Spotify and stuff like that started around that time around 2011 and like then it was like suddenly popular but like there was the time before whenever everybody was like pirating everything to now whenever everything has been monetized uh-huh. and like you know put under paywalls and it's streaming rather than downloading so there are different incentives around that so we've seen yeah. like a major uh, internet evolution over the past decade Uh, And we're still in the midst of that, you know, evolution of trying to figure out, like, what this space will be and what do we want it to be and, like, how to legislate this digital place. So there's, like, a lot of questions.
0: There's so many questions and I – you know it's unfortunate because it feels like a lot of people get left out of the conversation as you know policymakers who are so disconnected from you know from marginalized groups are making these decisions and like you're saying unilaterally in terms of like not even understanding the reach of of really what they could do or if they are um You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, But I I mean, most of them are old,
2: though, you know? Yeah, they're super old. (laughs) They have no idea. They're, like, legislating this, like, thing that they have no personal connection to.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I wonder, and so because of all this, you know, a lot of, of strip shows went online. A lot of work went online because of COVID. And so have you had personal experience with the impact, then, of not only covid but then this this regulation of the only outlet that you can reasonably use right now um you know you can go in person if it's safe and and however that's working but um but but the most accessible one is certainly the internet
2: yeah um i mean i've i've done online strip shows um and i've been working on like monetizing more of my online content um just because it's you know, you, I have had to be nimble through this time. As you mentioned earlier, the government, like, largely uh, was not there to support, like, prurient businesses. I mean, we know with the CARE Act, there was, like, an explicit, like, we, you know, this money will not go to support any prurient enterprises. And so, you know, if you're an independent camera and that is your business and you're a small business, you were left out. Um, you know, and it was hard for a lot of strippers to get the pandemic uh, unemployment assistance, or to get like the, you know, all of the pandemic assistance because a lot of these clubs like do, don't declare their dancers. They don't declare most of them or whatever right. uh, to avoid paying taxes on everybody, to avoid like payroll taxes and all of that. Um, so there's no documentation of these dancers. So whenever it comes to receiving government assistance, they're just left behind. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been, it's working online is like a whole learning curve, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, like, why don't you just start camming? And I'm just like, if you've never cammed, it's not easy and it's not like this, you know, totally obvious thing to get into like sure like I mentioned earlier like there is the startup cost of it like you need a good camera you need to buy powerful internet and you need to like also Mm -hmm. put in a lot of hours like you need to work at like an eight-hour job being on there like every day for a while while you build up your base like there's a lot of waiting there's a lot of downtime there's like the boom bust of it you're not gonna just like always have like people spending hella money on you you're gonna have like occasionally like a very good customer who's like spending a lot of money on you and then you know unless you're like working with an agency and then the agency is like taking a cut of it too so it's sure there's just like a lot to think about um there's also like a lot of discrimination It's, it's definitely harder you know if you're like uh B I P O C like trying to be a cammer, you know, you're just up against like all of mm-hmm. the racial discrimination and stuff like that. If you're disabled and you're trying to cam, you're gonna face all kinds of other discrimination too. Um sure. it's not as simple as people make it out to be and it's not sure. the crazy money that people make it out to be. I mean back sure. when I was camming like there were days when I made like hundred dollars and that was better than other days when i made like zero dollars
0: <laughs> sure 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 yeah yeah
2: so yeah, yeah
0: makes total sense
2: it's um
0: yeah. yeah no yeah keep going i mean if you definitely if you have more to say on uh, specifically like even um the accessibility of these online shows because i i don't know if facebook and instagram affect that because i like I imagine they can't be through live anymore or if they were through live. Yeah,
2: so they don't really... So these strip shows tend to be via Zoom. um, Okay. But there's also, like, some Zencaster shows and stuff like that um, and some other um, uh, streaming platforms that people will use for the shows. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it just poses, like, a whole different slew of other problems. Like, one, we're going... Like, we're f- facing this, like, unequal economic collapse as a country, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, the, <laughs> yeah. the
2: rich people are not feeling it. But
0: w- no. if you and walk... they're getting richer.
2: <laughs> yeah, but if you walk down, like, your main street anywhere, like, a lot of shops have closed. Businesses are not you know, functioning in the same way. People are not working their jobs at the same hours. Like there's just not really much profitability. I mean, things like the fashion industry have like really collapsed this year. Like it's, there's just like the number of people who are making money right now is just narrowing further and further. And I think at the beginning of COVID, like I during the strip shows, like we would make more money we were making like a little bit more money. And I've, I've noticed like a steady decrease in like our overall payout as we go. Um, and so you know, that's definitely like a huge thing. The other bit is like, so you're working on this medium that is like entirely visual. Um, there's no like personal interaction, no personal touch or okay. things like that. Um, and, so, yeah, that's a good point. and so you know, you have to like think in a differently creative way like you really have to become like your own videographer and director and performer all in one for this like what I've been amazed sure. about with the the clown girl shows uh the cyber clown mm-hmm. girls. shout out to them um yeah. is like the amount of like story and narrative that these dancers have been like putting into all of their acts like there um, are costume changes there are acts in their plays like It's, it's like a lot of work. Like it's, it's a staggering amount of work that everybody is performing. Uh, and like a lot of the dancers in it are performing multiple times every week, like coming up with like unique performances for this to keep it fresh and interesting. And like, that is a lot of labor to like see a diminishing return.
0: (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. And, and then beyond that, it's like you're performing to a box, um, So, you know, I may be on like a Zoom and I will be like, maybe I'll have like a friend holding the phone or something or I'll put the phone somewhere or like, you know, set up a couple cameras like it's I can't just like look at my audience and like, you know, clock their their reactions sure um it's like I see myself I have to like see how I'm looking within the screen like am I off camera and stuff like that so I'm focusing focusing on all of these things performing simultaneously getting no feedback having no crowd interaction
0: yeah Yeah, and hoping
2: for the best
0: (laughs) yeah it's like doing it in a vacuum
2: yeah It's like, you know, whenever I'm performing at the club, it's like you have the energy of the club. You have the energy of the people around you. You get like literal dollars versus having to like hear like little Venmo ka-chings or whatever, you know? Sure. Yeah. It's so you just, it's just like a very different relationship. Um, And so it can be, it can be good and it can feel like the best, you know, the next best thing, but it's, it's just, you know, there's no comparing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're all feeling that in some capacity too. Of like, God, there's just no comparison for human connection in whatever capacity, uh. You can, you can have it, right? Like whether it's whether it's through your job or through, um, relationships, etc. Um. Well, this has been amazing. I've learned so much and just thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. How can people find you if they want to know more information? Check out your podcast
2: etc yeah yeah um so you can find my podcast on all podcasting platforms at home in the know h-e-a-u-x in the k-n-e-a-u-x um and i have an instagram it's at pretty boy girl where i post a lot of my opinions um i have a patreon at the real pretty boy girl where you can read my stories about stripping and escorting and buying my own sex work and stuff like that um and uh yeah, you can follow the you can follow the podcast on Instagram too. That's where I post like little burps about our historical hose. Um, so I do like a little history segment about sex workers throughout time and all of their lives and stuff like that. And it's a lot of fun. You can follow me on TikTok at Sel- Selena the Strumpet. I have two videos <laughs> up. I'm gonna hopefully make one today or tonight. Uh, yeah, and then you can also follow Soldiers of Poll at soldiers Soldiers underscore of underscore Pole underscore on Instagram although we will probably be changing our name
0: changing it <laughs> okay cool <laughs> well we'll post all of that in the show notes too so awesome. people can have it easily accessible thank you so much this has been wonderful thank you for having me <laughs> yay oh, woo-hoo. oh boy that was so awesome, um, man. I just feel grateful I got to speak with you, Selena, and thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Please follow them on um Instagram and, and all their different fair different platforms. Um,
1: We're gonna have them all in the show notes. Copy them all down. They'll should be right there on your app.
0: Yeah, easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, please follow us on social media at Finding My Own Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And get excited. We're about to put these up on YouTube so you can get a visual experience of the interviews. Yeah, I
1: find like when I'm uh, listening to a podcast, I, I very frequently want to know what the guests look like. Uh, just because sure. I'm like, oh, who am I hanging out with? Um, yeah. So this is a good way to do it you're curious yeah. about what we look like or what other people look like, yeah, check out the YouTube channel.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or what our faces are doing when we're talking. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's going to be very embarrassing for me.
0: <laughs> um, and then I take it away, Will.
1: Oh, and if you want to uh, reach out to us over email, if you have any comments, questions, or... Guest suggestion ideas. You yes. can do that at finding my yum at gmail.com. Um, you know, we also available wherever you consume podcasts. So make sure to rate, review, and subscribe and share with some friends. Uh yeah. Jerry, do you have a number this year? Or not this well, yeah, this yeah. year. In 2021, year. how many friends do they need to share with?
0: Um, please share it with a hundred and eleven. For the whole year. One one one.
1: Okay. I like it. Share it with one hundred and eleven friends.
0: Oh, you think it should be higher?
1: I mean, if we're if we're given a whole year to share it, I would think. We'd... Oh,
0: for all of twenty twenty one. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like in retrospective twenty twenty, which doesn't make sense because how can you retroactively? Uh, I see. Okay, for twenty twenty one. Yeah, get your names in order, get it ready. I'm gonna say five hundred and twenty-two.
1: You know, I was really thinking five twenty because I was like ten. A week seems pretty reasonable, and you know, I guess some of those weeks you you feel special and you give it to one extra person. I think I love that idea,
0: and hopefully, we're coming out of this quarantine and the vaccine will actually be effective, and we can socialize again. And so, you'll want to talk to five hundred and twenty-two people. Have little listening parties, yeah, and slip slip them this uh, this uh, podcast into their into their ear holes. I don't no, know what I'm saying. Hey, I
1: don't know. It <laughs> sounds good though. Twenty twenty one is gonna be a weird year because we're all gonna try to remember how to socialize.
0: Yeah. Um, we love you. Uh we have one more episode before the new year that's gonna be a recap, so stay excited for that. And then we've got some really exciting new content coming in twenty twenty one. Woohoo! Stay yummy.